and the team. You know, really loved the Arcadia campus. You know, we have a bunch of uh, nationalities represented. So today we had you know, Brazilian, Canadian, and American leading us in, in worship. So it's really great. <laughs> Want to turn with me to Ruth as we carry on in our series. And we will be reading the whole of chapter 3, Ruth, chapter 3. This is what the Word of God says. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight... The man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the, car- bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. 
Lord, I, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. Uh, please help me to be faithful to what you are saying uh, and, and open our hearts to hear what you want to say uh, to your people tonight. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So, this is we we the the theme of our series has been you know our redemption story found in a love story, and we are coming here to the plot to to the climax per se of of the story of this love story. Now we have a a proposal here. Now. You know, we, we are familiar with, with proposals. You know, me as a Baptist, when I became, be, when I, just before I became engaged, before I proposed to Melissa, what did I do? I made a committee. I, I got three of her friends to help me out <laughs> uh, in preparing this elaborate proposal where it was to be done in, in our third year anniversary, and we will go down a little. It was a, in a kind of a, a restaurant, but there was a path to, to this restaurant. And then along the pathway, there were like rose petals and candles and little scrolls with letters that, uh, of appreciation of what I, I loved about her. And in each scroll, there was a letter and then at the end, I asked her to close her eyes, and then she grabbed the last scroll with the last letter that formed I love you in Portuguese. And then at the, at the end of that last scroll, say turn around, and then she saw me kneeling down and, and all of that. So it was a, it's a, a grand proposal, and you go down on the knee. But now we're familiar with that kind of, of proposal. But here in this story, it seems a very odd and different uh, proposal. But here we are at the climax of our story. And, and this, and where we are in, in our story, starts with a plan, a plan to settle. All right? Naomi has this plan. All right? And in verse 1, it starts, uh, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you. Now, this word here in the Hebrew, the, the word rest, that little word, rest is, again, a kind of a poor translation in that it's, the intention here is more of, should I not settle you down? Should I not make a plan for you to both be married and have children. See that the next phrase kind of indicates that, that it may be well with you. So this is a plan not just to, to, for, for her to rest, but to find, a, find Ruth a home. To find her a home. And then she asks, is not Boaz our relative? Now if we, we heard and we've read that it's, it refers to Boaz Boaz as a, a relative, a kinsman, a redeemer. But what does this mean? And I don't want to take for granted that 
uh, that we know exactly what it means. So let me show you from Leviticus 25, 25. If your brother becomes poor and sells a part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. Similar concept, if someone died, the, the brother was supposed to marry the wife of the deceased so that the line will continue. And so the Redeemer, the kinsman, is, is some relative close to, that will be able to kind of honor the family in, in, in saving whether it's, it's the line or, or redeem a property of, of land. So the context here is that Naomi has two problems. Okay, first is that the line of her husband, Elimelech, has ended because of the death of both of her children, right? And the second problem is how does, how does she protect her, in her, her inheritance? Chapter 4 gives us an insight that there is a field involved. So there is some, there is a property, there is a field that is entrusted to her that now she needs to somehow protect this field. And so she finds herself in a difficult situation. And here will be the great solution if one of the kinsmen married Ruth. That will be the solution of her problems. If one of the kinsmen marry, marries Ruth. However, we, I'm not saying for a moment that she was just interested in her own, uh, in solving those problems that she was kind of facing. But she actually does have an interest for Ruth. And we see that in verse 1. Should I not try to find someone for you? Should I not try to settle you? Should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Now, she, she has this plan, right? And she says, go, um, because Boaz is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And again, let me explain what that is. Um, a threshing floor is a smooth, flat surface that was used in the process of harvesting grain. Farmer used a threshing floor to separate the grain from the chaff. The harvested produce will be spread over the threshing floor, and the animals, the cattle or oxen, will be led over it to crush and break the sheaves apart with their hooves. Sometimes they used sticks to beat the sheaves apart. The grain will be separated from the chaff and then tossed into the air so that the wind could blow the chaff away, leaving only the good edible grain. This was called winnowing. So, and it seems that this, um, this um, farming exercise was done just after sunset when, when there was uh, a good uh, wind and it wasn't very strong. But, but here's is the plan, right? She says, go. Boaz is going to be there tonight. It seems that he probably didn't do this every time, but, but there's a sense of urgency tonight. So go there to the threshing floor. You know, get yourself ready. Um, 
wash yourself and, and anoint yourself and put on a cloak. Don't show yourself to him just yet. Wait until he's eaten because nobody is as nice as when, once they have eaten, right? And once they, when he's, he has drink, drunk something, it doesn't mean that he was drunk, by the way. Um, and then when he lies down, you must mark the spot. It says a check where he lies down and then uncover his feet and then lay down there. And this was an elaborate plan, right? This was an elaborate plan. So it started with this plan. And then you go to our next point. This was, this was a proposal. This was a marriage proposal. Now, this is a, a beautiful story, and it really is our climax uh, in, in, of the book of, of Ruth. And, and I like how D.A. Carson puts it. The story plays out with romantic integrity. Hollywood would hate it. There is no blistering sex, certainly not of the premarital variety. But there is a seductive charm to the account allied with a wholesome respect for tradition and procedure and a knowing grasp of human nature. Right? And so we read from, from verse 7, the account. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are, are a redeemer. And so this was the marriage proposal. You uncovered very different to what we have in modern times. Just the dude is sleeping there, uncover his feet and lay by his feet. And, and then, whoa, who are you? And I'm your servant, Ruth. Like, and okay, we, that's the proposal. That really is the, the proposal. Now, the words he, she uses spread over your wings, spread your wings over your servant. Now, in, in the Hebrew, it can be translated either that or spread over the piece of garment, the corner of the garment over me. In Ezekiel 16, 8, we see that it also has this marriage connotation using that part, the corner of the garment. Uh, when I pass by you again, and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Now, whether it's wings or, or the corner of the garment, the point is clear that Boaz knew exactly what she meant. It was no doubt that was knew that what she was asking is that uh, Boaz would marry her. And look at, at his response. Look at his response. 
May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So he, he's quite thrilled about it. He says, well, may you be blessed. And he actually praises her. And, she, and he praises her for two things, two kindness. And the first kindness is that, uh, that he's referring to here uh, when he says uh, this kindness is greater than the first. The first kindness that uh, he praises her for, it's found in, in chapter 2, verse 12. We, we, we went over this where he, when he says to her, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given uh, you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And, and that, it, that had to do with she didn't abandon Naomi. And Boaz recognized this was a, a great kindness. But the second kindness is that she didn't go for young men. That's what he says there. This is a greater kindness because you didn't go for a younger man. So this seems to indicate a couple of things. One is that she could have gone for younger men. She has a good reputation by now. We, we see that in, in verse 14. And... But she chose to respect and, and stick to, in a way, tradition. To go for who was her kinsman. And this he praises her for. There seems to also be a, a, an a age gap between the two. Uh, if you notice, he constantly refers to her as my daughter. And so... She didn't, she didn't go for younger men, and yet she, she chose Boaz. Um, she saw who he was, how he had been treating her, and that he was a kinsman of, uh, of the family, and, he, and she chose to propose to him. And so... The amazing thing as well is that Boaz doesn't just say, you be blessed, I'm, I'm going to do this, I, I will redeem you. But he's, he's, he's a gentleman. He really is a gentleman. He, and, he, and he cares for her. It's, it's actually quite, um, for, for us guys, it's a really good example for us guys. Look, he, he goes and says, lie down here, wait and until the morning, and then he wakes up early and gives her food, and he also wants to protect her in saying, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Here he's trying to protect her reputation, and he's, he doesn't send her empty-handed he cares for her and even for the well-being of his mother-in-law. Right? Take this uh, 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 to, to your mother-in-law. Don't, don't return him to hand it to your mother-in-law. And so we see this grand proposal. We see a very promising uh, outcome of this. 
And there is a promise of redemption. There is a promise of redemption. This is kind of, this is what, what Ruth was coming for. And this is what she wanted to uh, accomplish, right? And in verse 12 to 13, we see Boaz's uh, response. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Boaz here makes the promise. In whatever direction this goes, you will be redeemed. Whether, whether it's going to be by the nearer Redeemer, if he doesn't do it, I will redeem you. As, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. He, she gets this promise of of redemption, that she will be restored, that, that she will be married one way or the other. And, and even her, her mother-in-law assures her of this. In verse 18, she replied, Wait, my daughter, until, uh, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle this matter today. Now, it is interesting that Naomi, she probably knew who the other redeemer was. It was a small place, and it is very unlikely that she didn't know. And we know from chapter 4 that those are the two options only. In, in chapter 4, verse 4, Boaz says to, to this other redeemer, So I thought I would tell you of this, uh, tell you of it and say, but... Bite in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I come after you. So, um, and even in, in chapter 2, Naomi alludes to, to this more than one redeemer. Yet she doesn't consider this other person who we don't know. Um, she sends Ruth to, to Boaz. Now, let's get to applications, because so far all you've heard is kind of a, a class on ancient Israel practices. And there are three things that really, this is a narrative, the genre is narrative, and, and it's it's uh, slightly harder than like epistles, which is didactic and you know exactly. But there are three things here that, uh, that jump out uh, for me, and I'm sure we could get uh, way more. But here's my first application. There is an inward search for settling. What Naomi was seeking for Ruth, I, th I believe, is a reality of every single one of us. And not just both material and spiritual. That, that every, every single person, every one of us, is looking for a place, a home, a shelter to settle in. Not to be restless, not to be homeless, 
We, we, we want to be settled. We, we want to find this rest that it may be well with us, every single one of us. And, and if you go ask out there in the world and you ask them, is there something wrong with the world? Yes, it, there's something missing in their lives and, and it feels like restful souls. And we were just like that before we, we, we knew Christ, before we found rest in Christ. There is a, an, a search for rest and for settling somewhere. Everywhere. Everyone has this, this constant need for a place where you can just rest. You know, it's, you know some of you may have that place in your, on your uh, lounge where you get from home and you just like, <laughs> you just sit down and, and it's like, this is my spot where I can, this is my home, I can rest, I can settle. And every single person Search for that, that deep sense of home, of being settled, of being restful. Now, in our text, we see that the way that this is accomplished was with an elaborate plan. Very elaborate plan, very meticulous. And my second application is... To say that you must come as you are. Unlike the text that, that puts a lot of effort into this. And in washing yourself and anointing yourself and mark the spot and all of these things. You, you're making a plan in order to be redeemed. There is a, a specific steps and specific things that here is pointing out that Ruth is seeking in order for her to be redeemed. And, and the reality is that other religions point exactly to this kind of thing. Where you have to follow particular steps and, and particular things and do certain works in order for you to be redeemed. And I'm here tonight saying to you, come as you are because you can never do it. It is by the grace of God alone that you can be redeemed. It is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and it is a free gift. You cannot earn it. There is not an amount of particular that you can follow that can make you earn your redemption. You cannot do it. Come as you are. Sinners in need of grace, in need of redemption. You don't need to look nice or need cologne or, or wash yourself or mark the spot. You need to simply accept the gift of salvation. Repent of your sins. Saying, I, Lord, I cannot, I cannot be saved. I, I cannot do it by myself. Save me. There's nothing that we can do. Come as you are. 
Even those of you at home, please listen to me now. If there are people here that know, don't know Jesus Christ and you have been trying to earn your salvation by particular uh, methods, whether it's by trying to come to the church or, or, or pray a certain way or doing good things or, or helping the poor or, or doing whatever, come as you are, repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. This is the only way for salvation. This is the only way for redemption. Come as you are. The plan of redemption in our case was followed meticulously by Christ. He went to the cross. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He died on the cross and he rose again. Come as you are. And just thirdly, the works of God in caring for us. And we see this in how God cares for Naomi. We, we, I mentioned that she had these two problems. And if you turn your pages back to chapter 1. And listen to, to the voice, to, to what Naomi says. Verse 20. <clears throat> she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Verse 21. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I went, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Now turn back to, to chapter 3 and listen to verse 17. Saying these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. You just see God's care, God's providential works of care for Naomi. That she, she at one point she was completely desperate and she's saying, I'm, I'm completely empty. And here, I, I, I don't believe it's coincidence that the author is is. Um, is describing it in this way to see that God is taking care of Naomi. She, she, even in Boaz sending food with Ruth, is taking care of Naomi. You can see that her her spirit has changed, in the sense that she's no longer this bitter, complete, in agony woman. In fact, in verse 18, she says, Don't stress, wait, wait here. The matter will be sorted today. And this is God's providential care for her. And all I'm, all I'm saying, all I'm trying to point out in this application is that God is taking care of us even in the small things. 
And sometimes we don't acknowledge that. We don't, we, we only looking at the big things. We only looking at the, at the grand things. I, I want, I want this big miracle to happen. And we forget to praise him for the small gifts of grace and kindness towards us. Six, uh, six measures of body. It was, it was a lot. God is taking care of us even in the small things. And we should praise Him for it. We should trust Him and we should thank Him for it. For those small portions of, of blessings that God does. How He takes care of us. So believers, may you keep trusting Him. For those of you that are not believers, repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ for your redemption. Only He can save you. And we are now in the cliffhanger. Will Ruth be redeemed? We'll find out next week. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for accomplishing redemption through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the amazing story of, of redemption. We thank you for the gift of salvation that comes to us from your loving hands freely, not because any of us deserve it, but because of your own grace and mercy. Oh, Lord, it is so wonderful to belong to you, to know that we are settled in you, that we have found a home in you. We don't need to be searching and seeking for it anymore. You satisfy us, oh God. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, for those that are listening to my voice that haven't found at home. Lord, I pray that tonight, that tonight they will find at home in you. That tonight they will find redemption in Christ Jesus. I pray that tonight they will be filled with that settling peace that only you can give. We thank you because you care for us and you take care of us. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.